Well, good morning, everybody. What are we doing today? We are doing a mini-series. I'm calling it a mini-series because it's sort of mini for us. I think we're going to spend three or four weeks on this before going on to um, maybe a a longer one after this. Uh, But we're doing a mini-series on the implications of Easter. John called it Easter So What? Uh, which is probably a catchier title than what I came up with. I, I came up with Walking Out Easter with Jesus. Um, but what we're going to do is, uh, I, I kind of realized like, we, we don't talk enough about Easter. Like, we do it sort of once a year. But it's kind of like the big thing, you know? It's, right, it's, not only is it our Super Bowl, it's like sort of who we are. So it's, it's a bit of a shame that we only spend one week on it. Uh, and then we're like, whoop, on to other things. Okay, that was fun, you know, let's, let's move along. So resurrection is actually at the, the center of our story and our identity. So hey, why don't we spend some weeks on it? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to tease out some of the things, uh, particularly that Paul says is now true of us because of Easter. So we're going to look at various passages uh, uh, each week as we go along. And today, we're going to start with our bodies. Our bodies. Maybe not a topic that we think about often when it comes to uh, Easter and resurrection. What does Easter have to say about our body? Uh, To find out, we're going to look at what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 15. I was going to put the verses up on the screen, but it's too long and we're going to jump around a bit. So if you want to follow along, it's 1 Corinthians 15. Um, starting in verse 20, and that's on page 801 in the Bibles that we have under the seats if you want to actually turn some pages. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 20, and I'll let you know as we jump. It says this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead, comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. Verse 42. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, talking about Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Verse 54. When the perishable has become clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death 
has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. John mentioned this before, but uh, tomorrow's my 42nd birthday, and I figured I would, uh, I'd wear the loudest shirt that I own in <laughs> celebration. Um, one of the things I'm realizing as I get older is um, as I get older, the more I get older, the, the more in touch I become with the fact that I'm, I'm not always, nor have I been always, uh, comfortable in my own body. I don't know if you can relate to this. Uh, it started when I was really young, as it does for most of us. I remember vividly going to J.C. Penney with my mom and not finding anything that fit me in the normal boys section, so I had to go to the husky section. And uh, my mom explained to me that it's not because I was fat, it was because I was big Boned, yeah. So I grew up thinking that there was some kind of thing wrong with my bones. They were abnormally large, <laughs> larger than other boys of my age. Um, I don't know why that happened, but it was just the case. I, I had this terrible habit as a kid that, I, that I've continued into adulthood of biting my fingernails. Most of you know this. It's a, it's a habit I've had my whole life, sort of a nervous habit. And as a result, I've always hated my fingers. I've been ashamed of how they look. I try to hide them from people in certain situations. I get nervous when people point them out. Hey, what's wrong with your, you know. As a teenager, I had horrible, horrible acne. And so I have like huge portions of like my childhood uh, like photographs that I like will not look at. And, the, and the, the cure for acne, like when you had it really badly, some of you know this, was a medicine that dried out your skin so much that you didn't even look like yourself. So I have pictures of myself with no acne, great, but it actually it doesn't even look like me because the cure was worse than the ailment. As a kid, and oftentimes as an adult, I don't feel at home in my body. I feel like my body is what's wrong with my home. Can you relate to this? My uh, best hunch is that my experience is probably not unique. That if you came up and you shared maybe the top three things that you felt were wrong about your body or felt distance from in your body, that by the time we were done, we'd all say, wow, I didn't realize that everybody struggles with the same thing I do. And, and the second thing that would probably all say is about one another is the things that you feel are ugly or wrong about you that the rest of us would not feel that way at all. That when we look at you, we see you. We don't see the ailments that you see about yourself. One of the ways that sin reigns in our world is that it reigns in our bodies and how we perceive our bodies. 
what we think is right and wrong about them. And the, the church has not done a good job of helping us with this malformed view of ourselves. In fact, um, many of us were brought up in Christian homes and we were taught that it's holy to hate your body. I know many women who were taught a catch-22 growing up about their bodies to loathe, on the one hand, any imperfection that they have, and then on the other hand, to loathe the fact that they might be so beautiful that they would cause a man to sin because of their bodies. And so you're shamed if you do, and you're shamed if you don't. Many of us, men and women, were handed an inner critic about our bodies And we were told that it was the voice of God. No wonder it's tempting to think that the good news of Easter and eternity is that God will return to rescue us from our bodies. No wonder we think that the best thing that could happen to us is if we escape these dirty, mortal, perishable, wasteful things and go and live on some cloud and play a harp for the rest of eternity. We need better news, family. And so let's hear the good news today that our hope in Jesus is not escape from our bodies, but the redemption of our bodies. Easter is about new creation. And new creation says that God doesn't come to confirm the shame that we feel about ourselves. He doesn't come to us and say, yep, all that negative self-talk that you've got going on in you, it was telling you the truth the whole time. And I'm just here to get you out of that sucker. No, Jesus returns. He rises from the dead to stare shame in the face and say, not true. What has happened to Jesus will happen to all of us. You and me. Therefore, our bodies aren't to be escaped from. We aren't going to fly away someday. But rather, we are embodied souls. The resurrection is not about no bodies. It is about new bodies. Spiritual bodies that are animated and moved by the Holy Spirit. Where do you need new creation in your body today? Uh, This text is uh, 1 Corinthians. And there's a whole lot going on here. And we're not going to get to half of it. So I'm probably not going to answer 8 out of 10 of the questions that you've got going on. Um, But that's okay. I'm comfortable with that. And you're learning to be comfortable with it. It's okay. There's more than what we can get to. But I do want to touch on a couple things because these are things that really trip us up and keep us from seeing what God um, intends for us. And the first, uh, the first of the two is this, that Paul, notice he, he makes this distinction back and forth, back and forth throughout the passage between the physical body and the spiritual body. Did you see that? talks about the physical and then the spiritual and the physical and the spiritual. Now, when we hear the Bible use terms like physical and spiritual, we, uh, we come up with a dichotomy that doesn't actually exist. And this is what I mean by it. When we hear physical, we hear material. 
We hear flesh and blood and bone. We hear things pertaining to uh, matter, what we're made out of, right? And when we hear spiritual, we think ethereal. We, hear, we, we think non-material, non-physical, like a ghost that you can't get your hands on it. Thoughts, emotions, feelings, those are in the spiritual realm. Bodies, they're in the physical realm. So when we think about salvation, we think about escaping from the material and becoming, in a sense, a ghost. Non-material. Now, where did this idea come from? Well, if you remember from our last series in Origins when we were looking at the book of Genesis, we said many of the ideas and beliefs that we attribute to the Bible don't actually originate in the Bible. We think that they've come from the Bible, but they actually don't. They come from somewhere else. And this is one of those. Because our understanding of this differentiation between spiritual and physical, it does not come from Jesus. You know who it comes from? A guy named Plato. It's Greek philosophy, not biblical doctrine. Did you know that? Um... Now, God bless the Greeks. We can learn a lot from them. But Plato wasn't a Christian, as far as we know. So here's here's what this means to us. When Paul describes physical, the physical you and me, he's not talking about what we're made of. Physical is about earthly. It's about natural. Paul describes it as present, decaying, corruptible, doomed to perish, flesh and blood. The Greek word for physical is not describing what we're made of. It's describing what animates us. What moves us. What drives us. Here's a bad illustration. A boat. There are two ways to move this boat. If we had like a bowl of water, I could show you. But you're just going to have to imagine this. One way to move the boat through water is to take your finger and you push it, right? You propel it by your physical force upon the the back of the boat, right? What's the other way? The way you're probably thinking of. Yeah, take, take some kind of wind and you blow on it. And that is what moves the boat. Not physical, but spiritual. See where I'm going? One way is to animate it physically. The other is to animate it spiritually. So when Paul talks about our bodies and he talks about them as being physical to begin with and spiritual in the end, he's talking about what moves these bodies of ours. What animates and gives them life. So the physical body is animated by earthly things, flesh and blood, but the spiritual is animated by God's wind, His Spirit, His breath, God's new life, His new creation, His resurrection power filling us. This is why we see uh, one of the first interactions of Jesus that He has with His disciples after the resurrection is in John 20. When it says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he 
breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus shows up and he blows on people. This is an image of new creation, right? We just looked at Genesis 1 not that long ago. How the, the, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. How the Spirit of God breathed life into His human ones. The Spirit is the fuel of creation and it is this, the fuel of new creation. The Spirit is what takes earthly things and makes them spiritual things. This is why the Spirit is so crucial. Because as, as we're filled and animated by the Holy Spirit, this is what life is about as a Christian. It is about training our bodies for new creation. You are becoming the person that you will be for all eternity. And part of that becoming, of who you are and who you will become, is how you are being trained in your body to be no longer animated by what used to animate you and move you, but now by God's presence and His power. This is one of the great implications of Easter. Is that we can be moved, we can find our life through a different source that picks us up and moves us along through life that has nothing to do with the old order of things. Remember last week how we talked about like that guy that lived in the jungle for 29 years? And how he didn't know that there was a, a new world available to him if he just came out of hiding? This is one of those implications. It has to do with our bodies. That we're not animated by flesh and blood, by things that perish or things that corrupt anymore, but we're animated by God's recreating, renewing, redeeming resurrection power in the world. The Holy Spirit is the fuel of new creation. That's why Jesus comes and blows on people. That's why Jesus promises how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Friends, the good news today is that the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the dawn of new creation. What happened to Him will happen to all of us. Therefore, your body is not a prison from which you need to be set free. That's what Plato believed. That's not what Jesus promises. You are an embodied soul. The new creation is full of spiritual bodies moved and animated by God's Spirit. And that Spirit is available to you today to train you for the life that you'll always have in eternity. Where do you need this new creation today? In your body. So the new body um, is physical. It's flesh and blood and bone. And, um, and we see this in Jesus' body, right? Uh, when Jesus rises, it makes a big deal about the fact that Jesus rises from the dead in his body, right? <clears throat> um, he invites people to see him and touch him and feel the wind from his lungs. And so there's, there's continuity between Jesus' old body and his new body, but there's discontinuity with the old too. Paul picks up on this when he talks about the metaphor that he uses, which has to do with uh, planting seeds and then a plant coming up. 
He's talking about when we get put in the ground and what happens afterwards when we come out of it. There's continuity with the old, but there's also newness that happens. You can't look at a tomato seed and a tomato plant and go, yep, they're the same, right? They are the same, but they look different. (laughs) So it's no longer, bodies are no longer mortal in the new creation. They're beyond death. They can't be uh, perishable or corruptible, and thank God for that, right? Like, I just came through a week of back pain again, and I'm like, I'm ready for a new body, you know? Various people are having, you know, knee replacements. You're like, we're ready for new bodies, right? (laughs) And the good news of, of Easter, again, is that what happened to Jesus will happen to us. Yes, there are new bodies, but they have continuity with the old. Jesus ate. He could be touched. He still bears the wounds of crucifixion so that we can see the marks in his hands and his sides. Oh boy, that's a whole different sermon. But his body looks different at the same time, right? We talked about the road to Emmaus last week and how Jesus wasn't immediately recognized by those two disciples walking along the way. He preaches in a whole sermon from the Old Testament and they have no idea who he is. And, and Jesus relates to what we think of as matter differently than he did before. Right? Doors are locked and boom, Jesus is in the room. Like, how did that happen? Do you ever wonder like, what we're supposed to make of all that as Christians? Like how Jesus like, changed physically and how that relates to us. And, like, you want to know the answer? I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) I don't have the foggiest clue about what that means. And anyone who tells you that they do, don't listen to them. It's a complete mystery. And that's okay, actually. Because as Western Enlightenment Christians who've been influenced by dudes like Plato as much as we've been influenced by people like Jesus, we need to learn how to get comfortable with mystery again. We need to stop pretending that life is found in having all the answers. Friends, life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And our hope is that we too will become like Christ, whatever the heaven that means. He is the future breaking into our past that presently we can begin to participate in by His Spirit today. And so Paul says this, because this is true, he says this at the end of of the text in verse 58, and I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message when he says, with all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the Master, confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. I love that. In other words, your labor isn't going to be for nothing. What we're doing in the body, what you do with your body, animated by the Spirit right now, is part of how new creation dawns on this world. It's not in vain. 
Even though your mortal body is perishable, corruptible, it's going to go in the ground someday, the work that you do in your body by the Spirit, it will last. This idea that we can't take it with us, you know, it's true about our iPhones, but the work that we do in our bodies is not a waste of time or effort. And boy, do I need to hear that today. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself today. It's all right. So, friends, I want to call us to respond to this hope that we have in Christ, of the redemption of our bodies. That in new creation, God's power and presence are here from the dead. Where do you need it today? Where do you need it today? Uh, We're going to respond in a moment. And we do this every week. We, um, we don't just want to live in our heads, but we want to live out the good news in our bodies. So we respond through prayer and giving resources, taking communion, singing together. All of this is an, is an act of offering our bodies. It's getting up out of our seats. It's saying yes to the good news. It's availing ourselves to what God has said and saying, I believe, even if I don't believe this to be true in my head, I will act on it as though it's true in my body, realizing that my head might come along with it. I was talking to so many people yesterday, it was like, or th- this past week about Easter, and, and for a lot of people in our church, and I get this deeply, like Easter hit us in a, maybe in a different way than it has in, in, in years past. Like, there's just something different or unique about it. Not necessarily good or bad. It just resonated differently. And and one of the things that somebody shared with me is, like, just the act of getting up and and standing around a table together and taking communion, even knowing that, like, my mind might not all be there, but, like, I can bring my physical presence to the table and be welcomed and accepted and pick up the bread and dip it into the juice and look at it and take it into my body. Like, just doing all of those physical acts was a way to say yes, even if my mind wasn't there yet. See, one of the maladies of our age is that we are taught that our brains are what control absolutely everything. That we're essentially like brains on a stick. And all you need to do is like think new thoughts and then the rest of you will come along for the ride. And, and I'm, like, I'm thankful for like neuroscience because neuroscientists are telling us that um, that is not a true picture of the way our bodies work. That we are much more complicated than that. That our brains are often controlled by what's stored up in our bodies. Our bodies are a sort of hard drive that keeps our experiences, that keeps the truths about what we believe and how we feel and what we do, that we live in our bodies. And so that, what that means is it, it, like, it confirms what Paul says in Hebrews 12 when he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your act of true worship. Like he doesn't say offer your minds. He says, offer your bodies and your minds will see what is good. Right? We are more than our minds think. 
We're far more complicated than that. We're made for an embodied existence to reconnect with our bodies. And this is so complicated and complex, I don't even know how to speak about all of it. But one of the things that it means is that maybe there are like pains and hurts that you have stored up, locked up in your body somewhere where your body is like trying to express deep things about God and about you. And you're just used to like turning off that message and placating it and medicating it and turning away from it. I'm convinced now that like God works through our bodies and our bodies are trying to tell us so many different things, but we don't have ears to hear it. Because we've been taught that our bodies are just broken and someday we'll get away from them. When I think the biblical way to see it is actually that our bodies are um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes God's microphone to us. God is trying to teach us. He's trying to train us how to actually listen to our bodies in a way that honors him and honors who he's created us to be. Sin is what disconnects us from God and each other and ourselves. But the good news that we proclaim today is that God's Spirit is here to overcome that sin. It's here to retrain us how to listen to Him anew, how to stop and reconnect with Him and ourselves and each other. I was realizing this week that one of the things that I struggle with most is that I don't honor my body's need for rest like I should. I try to live as though I'm like a brain on a stick. <laughs> and so one of the results of that is that like my body stores up all these uh, like aches and pains that get like centered in places around my body. And I get really fatigued and tired and irritable and my family and my friends have to hear about all this irritability and pain that I'm dealing with. And part of that is me denying my body's need for rest. And so maybe, um, maybe for me then, like a simple way to respond, to say yes to Jesus and his good news today is say, like, I'm going to listen to my body and actually offer it as an act of worship by taking a nap. Sounds good, right? <laughs> doing that for some people, not for everybody. That's why God, I don't know what God's doing in you and what he's saying to you. It could be completely different. But one of the ways that God, I think, is speaking good news to me is to honor the body that he's given me and not curse it. And to say that God can speak through it as I give myself to rest. Maybe for you it's... Um, it's the messages of shame that you've stored up in your body since you were little. That you're too this or too little of that and not enough of those. Maybe you've been handed an inner critic and told that it's the voice of God. And a way to say yes to this good news is to ask God to give you His voice for your body. The good news that we proclaim, family, is that the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the dawn of new creation. 
What happened to him is going to happen to you. You're not going to fly away someday and escape. You're going to be raised to new life. Amen? So you don't have a soul that needs to get out. You are an embodied soul. And yes, you're going to get a new body, eternally animated and moved by the Holy Spirit. But today, friends, today, Jesus comes and He doesn't just say, hey, look at my body. Someday you're going to get one sort of like it. He says, you see this? It's available to you today. Come, take it. So let's respond to this good news that new creation wants to spring up in your perishable, corruptible body today. Let's pray. Father, we uh, trust that you are present and at work even if we have no idea what you want to do right now. Uh, There are so many messages, accusations, critiques, pains, hurts, shames stored up in our bodies that we've either been told to listen to as your truth or ignore. But they're not doing good work for us. And so, God, we pray. We, we pray to you, the God of our bodies. And we thank you that you are committed to the redemption and renewal of everything that you've created. And we submit our bodies to your Spirit today. Whatever it is that we need to submit to you, God, we do it in this space right now. May your spirit animate us and move us anew. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.